Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This week, I want to talk about a very misunderstood topic. It's a hot topic right now. People are raving about it. And that is bloodletting, or otherwise known as regular blood donation. And there are a lot of medical doctors, holistic health practitioners um, that are currently really pushing this, really encouraging this practice with um, their clients, their patients. And I really want to um, get into this subject during this episode because I have major concerns and I want you all to just encourage major red flags around this practice. And I want to warn you not to fall for this um, practice, no matter who is recommending it. Um, There's some super detrimental concerns that I have with this, which I'll get into during this episode. Um, And those particularly are with regard to long-term health effects. So throughout this episode, I'm going to teach you why regular blood donation, known in the old school as bloodletting, and which it's really getting a fancy term today called iron dumping, which we'll get into. Um, And I'm really going to talk about why this is a bad idea. And I'm going to teach you how to better access and clear the root causes of your health struggles that may be driving you to explore bloodletting or blood regular blood donation. They mean the same exact things. Um, before I go there, I want to give you all a little update. Last week, as my uh, any of you who, who regularly tune into the podcast, I was unavailable as my wife and I recently moved into a new home, a farmstead in rural New Mexico, and we've spent the past week on the farm starting to bring it back up to speed after 20 plus years of neglect, really. So um, we are uh, restoring the chicken coop and we're getting it ready for our flock, which may come in sooner or later. There's 40 chickens that are there's 40 laying chickens on our way on their way to us. And um, we've been getting the soil ready to put in our winter uh, seed crop to bring nutrients and mineral content into the soil before we plant uh, this summer or attempt to plant. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to give it my all. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so we really had uh, all hands on deck here bringing the farm up to speed. It's going to be a work in progress. 
and you know it's it's a beautiful place and it, I kind of refer to it at this time anyway as little house on the prairie because there's literally no cell service um and we just today got our internet totally hardwired which I'm super stoked about we don't even have a modem literally the cable is just hardwired um from the the internet um I don't even know what you call it board main board hub and so we have landlines in our in our dwellings and uh hardwired internet and so um we're really looking forward to this journey together and sharing it with you all inspiring you know you all to get out there and um get outside get your hands in the dirt no matter where you live Hey, maybe you live in the middle of the city, get house plants. You know, there, there's so much you can do. A lot of people are very concerned right now with the end of the world and the end of the world is coming. I think this has been a common theme uh, throughout time, throughout history. The theme is back with everything that happened with C19, of course. And um, it's really interesting because people who are into the end of the world think that stocking up on canned foods is like going to save them somehow. And, you know, I'm sorry if you're listening in and you think, you know, that that's your mindset. But honestly, if we really want to be more self-sustainable and not rely on, um, you know, <laughs> we want to have our own food resource, you know, canned foods is kind of like a band-aid approach to this. It's going to run out. How are you going to get them if, if the store closes, if shipping discontinues? Get a chicken flock, plant a garden, like really getting into, um, you know, some, some more self-sustainable ways can be super helpful. That's an episode for, and a topic for, for a totally different podcast episode here. But um, I can tell you that the farm is going to be a lot of work. And I'm never, ever going to have to think about going to the gym ever again. And I realized something on day two of being here at, at the farm that um, literally people wouldn't have to go to the gym if they simply uh, took care of their home or like tended the land that's on their home. And it, it literally doesn't even take that much land. We don't have... Currently, we don't have that much land. There, there's some more in the in the future that that's maybe going to come available. But right now, we have about five acres, and that's you know that's that's a great place for us to start. It's plenty of work, but literally, even if you have a quarter of an acre, even if you have a small plot, there is a lot you can do. And I think I've squatted more, lifted more. Um, <laughs> dug more, use different muscles than um, any gym workout would ever give me just by by working on the farm. And I literally lay in bed at night and I just am totally out. It's like, it's like, okay, that was a seriously um, fulfilling day's work. And so I cannot tell you how therapeutic it's been. We've literally been here for a week, but it's just been super therapeutic to be here on the land and to literally open our door to the outside and hear silence. It's like, wow, that is so rare today. Will it last? Who knows? <laughs> but um, that's what we have right now. And I and I, I feel super fortunate to, to be in this environment and I can't wait to... Uh, 
host classes and events here for uh, you all around food and farming and self-sustainability and healing and, and so forth. So um, it has been seriously therapeutic already within the first week, just to stick our hands in the mud and collect leaves for the compost. And there's so much more to share, but for now, I want to just simply encourage you all to get outside, even if it's winter, let the cool air invigorate you and let the land inspire you. And even if you live in an apartment on the sixth floor, just find a way to be with the natural world more. Get plants, you know, go outside to parks, join a community garden. Um, the mainstream, what you know, the government, the medical system, they want us to live sterile indoor tech lifestyles. They want us to Postmate our food and uh, they want us addicted to our phones and convenient ways of living. I'm here to encourage you to rebel against this. <laughs> and you may think that's insane, but honestly, if you, the more you can rebel against this system, the healthier you're gonna be. And that's, that's my main goal, you know, Moon in Virgo, I'm all about healing. I, I, My life is healing. My life is about the earth and healing. And if there's one thing that I am inspired to inspire in other people, it's to lead the healthiest life that you possibly can be. And we, we cannot do that uh, unless we are connected to nature in some way, shape, or form. Literally, you'll be less depressed, less inflamed, and more inspired. If you need help getting started with reconnecting to nature, go to my site, heathershepherd.com backslash resources, and get a copy of the Sunlight Rx. It's a four-step protocol that teaches you not only how to reestablish a healthy relationship with the sun, but why it's a vital part of health and how to use the sun therapeutically to support your health. H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com backslash resources. Um, and I know many of you have been asking about, hey, Heather, um, will you have some classes or recorded classes on homeopathy and healing and first aid and cold and flu care and child care? And the answer is absolutely yes. That is a work in progress that will be up um, uh, in January, 2023. So um, stay tuned for that. That will be up and available on my site very soon. Okay, bloodletting, blood donation. Let's dive into this topic because many medical doctors and holistic health practitioners are encouraging people to go give blood. Donate your blood regularly. Why are they suggesting this? Okay, here's the false health claims as to why they want you to give up your vital life force, your blood. Number one reason they claim you should give up your blood is they claim that people have an iron overload today. I'm not saying people don't have an iron overload, but dumping your blood and life force in order to, uh, it's just never gonna solve this problem. 
So um, the people encouraging bloodletting, blood donation today, they claim that most people have an iron overload and that by donating your blood, you'll basically press the release button on your iron levels. Just let's just pause here for a minute. If you're a menstruating woman, please, you already have a drain for your blood. Do not do this. I'm not recommending that anyone do this, but especially menstruating women, this is a serious way to deplete your vital your your vital force, your energy, your vitality. It'll deplete men's vitality as well, and and those uh, postmenopausal menopausal women as well. But I mean, you know, women of childbearing age, huge red flags. So, um, of course, you know, you're going to reduce your iron load for a, a short, minimal period of time by giving up your blood. But at what long-term cost on your health? This is what we're not paying attention to. And if anybody who's really pushing this right now went back and looked at the medical history books and what happened to people when they did bloodletting back in the day, this medicine that was considered quackery back then is now making this comeback right? This bloodletting, we now call it blood donating. It has a more romantic sounding, you know, way to it. It's not like you're not bloodletting. <laughs> now it's blood donation. Now it's iron dumping, right? But if any of these individuals who are really pushing this practice went back and took a look at, hey, what was this effect? Because this is how this was literally a practice in the 1800s, even early 1900s, that uh, medical doctors did routinely on their patients. It was like the panacea. Whatever you had, it didn't matter. Go bloodletting. Go, go give up your blood. And the results were a very weakened society. People became weaker. They lost their vital force. It moved them as a result towards chronic disease and chronic fatigue much more rapidly. So um, before we just jump on board with things that well-known people and, you know, MDs and NDs tell us to do, it's really important to say, okay, what are the long-term effects? How does this really impact my body? How does this really impact my organism? So when we look at the long-term effects, you, give, you donate your blood one time, you're going to be fine, right? usually. <laughs> okay. Now you donate it every few months for years and years and years, which is particularly being pushed on men today because they don't have that menstrual release. So men, you're really getting this iron dump. You're really getting this iron buildup. You better go donate your blood. 
that is such a band-aid approach and it's never going to rectify the root of the problem. If you want to rectify the root of the problem, you have to engage in something that you don't have to do all the time and that also has negative side effects. There are some studies that show acute benefits of bloodletting, acute. Long-term, serious problems, serious problems. What are some of these problems? So chronic fatigue is a huge one. Literally, people will lose their vital force. They'll start to collapse. They'll go into a collapse state. They'll go into a chronic fatigue state. They'll go into adrenal fatigue state. What's in your blood? Minerals, plasma, proteins, not just iron. We're looking at one narrow thing. Um, what about all the red light and UV light that you stored up in your bloodstream from doing the sunlight RX? And then you're just going to go give that away and all the healing components that you just worked so hard to build up. It's like this is where these this recommendation is so detrimental. And there are literally thousands and thousands of people doing it today because well-known on the fringe MDs are recommending this practice. Okay, what are some of the long-term health effects? As I mentioned with this fatigue issue, that's the major one. If you don't have your energy or your vital force, how are you going to do anything that you love or that you're passionate about? Or, or you know, how are you going to do simple things in life like, you know, um, move your body, uh, literally. It's like, if you don't have your energy, you don't, you, this is like your life force trickling away. And of course, everyone goes through ebbs and flows of energy dips and energy highs and periods of time where they sleep like a hibernating bear and other times where it's like, oh my God, my sleep was trash. And this is life. There's all these kind of cycles. But for the most part, we want to really preserve our energy levels and we want to engage in practices and health practices that support our vital force, our energy levels. Because as soon as the vital force goes down, the immune system weakens and then we become susceptible to all types of attack from, from the outside, whether it be stress, a virus, a bacteria, etc. So a chronic disease. Um, so vital strength, the vital force, fatigue, adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, weakening of the organism. And um, also there's something known, and this is pulled back from the, the um, ancient literature on bloodletting. Um, people who have routinely engaged in bloodletting in the past, enter something known as a typhoid state. And, and what is that? It's just simply a term that basically translates to a low-grade fever characterized by debility, chronic fatigue, weakness, okay? And if your body can only get low-grade fever, let's say 99, 100, even 101, those are low-grade fevers, and that's a sign that your organism is not strong enough 
to get over the hump of whatever you are struggling with with regard to your health. So let's say you're struggling with cancer and you get a fever of 99. If you're if you could get a fever of 102, now you could your your immune system increases its ability to fight off the cancer. And we can apply that to anything, a virus, a bacteria, um, uh, a chronic disease. When someone can get a high fever, 101.35 or higher degrees Fahrenheit, this puts the organism at a very, in a very good place to fight off whatever it's, it's trying to fight off, whether that's an acute condition or a chronic condition. And until the body can reach that point, um, it's it's basically it's simply a sign that it's not strong enough to eradicate the disease, the disorder. And in my homeopathy practice, this is one of the number one goals. How can I gradually and steadily move someone towards an improved, strengthened organism, vitality, immune system, so their body is in this place where it can fight back robustly. And people today struggle with chronic disease or low-grade nagging acute issues because of the suppressive therapies that they've had throughout their life that restrict their organism's ability to get high fever. You get high fever and you're healthier. This is the this is the number one way to prevent chronic disease. And I have some episodes on this. I talk about this frequently. I talk about um the difference between your the body's ability to get high fever on its own versus artificially inducing it through something like um hyperthermia or saunas. People think that that's a form of inducing fever in the body and it just simply is not the immune system is not involved in that artificial process so if you want to learn more about that um go check out the episode i think it's something like saunas and oh i forget now just look for the word sauna it's back a few episodes and, and you can learn more about about that topic in particular so basically long-term effects of bloodletting blood donation are this weakened state of the organism that it's it becomes weak and compromised to the point where the energy is lacking and the vital force is lacking, preventing its ability to um, get well. So um, allopathic practitioners and even holistic health practitioners treat this regular donation of blood as a casual practice, but, and this may sound like a little dramatic, but I really wanna emphasize this. This practice is unjustifiable with the long-term health consequences that result from this practice. Sure, as I mentioned at first, there can be a type of palliative amelioration of symptoms, but the weeks pass, the months pass, the years pass and symptoms return. Energy levels uh, gradually, steadily decline. And um, 
when we see this, this is a clear sign that this is obviously not a healing practice. This is a detrimental practice. Anytime energy levels drop and continue to drop without improving long-term, red flag that that particular practice, uh, whether it's hardcore CrossFit, bloodletting, or a strict like herbal protocol, it's a red flag that it's not actually helping you. It's, it's a clear sign that it's a Band-Aid approach and it actually could be a detrimental approach with long-term health consequences. So I also wanna mention that often the human body doesn't contain one drop of blood in excess. You have the perfect amount of blood in your body. And we're being told a different message. Dump your iron load. Improve your hemorrhagic conditions. Decrease inflammation. Reduce gout. And guys, you don't have a monthly, so you especially should give your blood away. Okay, so... You know, obviously you can tell I'm not a fan of this practice. And um, while, while quackery might not be the most fitting word for bloodletting, I mean, maybe, but, I, you know, let's see. A, a better word, there, there are others that are more accurate. Um, medical bypassing, Band-Aid approach, depleting. Um, it's just comes nowhere near accessing the root of the issue. Um, and I want to, I think I've talked about this in other episodes, but I want to spend some time just on giving you an idea of, okay, why is this, you know, approach not helpful? And really allopathic medicine and even naturopathic medicine they fail a lot of people. There's a lot of band-aids here, a lot of supplements, a lot of avoid this food, a lot of never eat this food again, a lot of get this genetic test and that genetic test. And it's like people are going around on a freaking merry-go-round with just shelling out money. And um, for what? For this is not gonna get to the this is not our problem. The root of our health problems is not a supplement deficiency. Um, it, it's literally just not. Or it's we're never going to understand, oh, the root of my problem, I'm gonna figure it out with this genetic test. It is absolutely impossible at getting you to the root of the issue. So allopathic medicine and even naturopathic medicine. And I, I there's a lot of naturopathic um, uh, practitioners that I absolutely love, but I'm, I'm just going to speak from my personal experience and what I've seen with literally thousands of, of people who have gone to naturopathic doctors, it fails a lot of people. And people shell out cash and people leave disappointed. Maybe at first they're like, oh yeah, this is great. It's like this placebo or maybe it's doing a little bit of healing, but then soon the body's like, oh, this isn't getting to the root and it 
the, the symptoms that are still there. And it fails a lot of people, this approach, these approaches, because its foundational roots are based on the law of opposites. I'm going to talk about what this means and um, to help give you clarity here. So what does this mean? What is the law of opposites? So if you have an excess amount of iron, um, then drain the blood. If you're constipated, give a laxative. If you have a headache, give an anti-inflammatory. And, you know, while some of these conditions may be relieved by this law of opposites approach, the effects only last for the short term, if at all. Symptoms return and they're never truly cured. This is because the human organism cannot attain cure, its cure via the law of opposites. The body cannot heal fully using this approach. This is where homeopathy shines bright. It's why long-term relief and cures are possible because its foundational roots of homeopathic medicine are based on the law of similars. Like cures like. Maybe you've heard these terms. Maybe you're like, oh, like cures like, law of similars. But it's like, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you what that means. So, for example, let's say someone has a low-grade fever, diarrhea, vomiting, runny nose, chills. Uh, they cover up using several blankets that are wrapped around them, and they're thirsty, and they drink water in tiny sips. They might even be anxious or, or restless, and they have great anxiety during this acute illness as well. Now, the law of opposites would give an antibiotic, an antipyretic, right? Reduce the fever, uh, homeopathy, and somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm, I'm not saying that go to any homeopath because believe me, I've gone to a lot of bad homeopaths before I realized back in the day when I was trying to heal my brain injury, I was like, oh, this doesn't work. I feel horrible. I still feel horrible. You have to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. Just like, you know, there are maybe some um, aware allopathic doctors, aware naturopathic doctors. Like just because somebody is a homeopath, just because somebody's a, a, a medical doctor, doesn't mean anything. They have to know what they're doing. A lot of people in their profession have no idea what they're doing, unfortunately. <laughs> I see it so many times. People come to me, they've been to 15 homeopaths before they get to me. Okay, you know, maybe just two. You know, it's like they've, they've been to several different homeopaths. And they get to me and they, they say, oh, the homeopath gave me this remedy and told me to take it like this and like this. And I'm like, what in the world? This is not homeopathy, how people, how these homeopaths are prescribing. Okay, that was an, an aside because I really want you to understand that homeopathy, you also have to know what you're doing. It's not just like you can go to any homeopath. It, it's just, it's the same thing across the board for any profession. You can't just go to any plumber. You can't just go to any contractor. You can't just go to any doctor. Same across the board. They have to know what they're doing. 
So the law of opposites in this, this hypothetical case I just gave you of the cold, flu, diarrhea, vomiting, right? The law of opposites would give an antibiotic, fever reducer, yet homeopathy would prescribe a single remedy, hopefully if the homeopath knows what they're doing right, they would prescribe a single remedy that causes those exact symptoms when that substance is taken in toxic or large doses. Like cures like. I'm going to break that down about what that means a little bit because it can be kind of heady and wordy. And I, I feel like this is a really important concept to grasp and to understand. And it's going to help a lot of people get well because we, we are completely obsessed with the law of opposites across the board, allopathic, naturopathic, functional medicine, chiropractic, all of it. The fever chilled, thirsty, diarrhea, runny nose, vomiting, this individual is a picture of someone who would take a homeopathic dose of arsenicum album. This patient, we would give arsenicum album because arsenic taken in a toxic dose, when we look at the toxicology of arsenic, it causes those exact same symptoms. Homeopathy, unlike allopathic medicine, unlike naturopathic medicine, unlike supplements, takes toxic substances and dilutes and succusses it to such a degree that none of the toxic byproduct remains and only the healing properties remain. There's literally no trace of the toxic substance left in the homeopathic pellets, especially when you get above 6C, which is for those of you who know homeopathy, you know what I'm talking about. It's just the potency. Now think about allopathic medicine. They give you an antibiotic. You got all of these side effects. They give you a prescription drug. You have all these side effects. Why? Because they did nothing to dilute out the toxic effects. They would be much more effective if they use their medicines in a homeopathic fashion where they diluted out the toxicology of every single one of their medicines contained and then applied medicine in that way. They would be much more successful and it's literally the amount of people who die due to medical prescription error, meaning, whoops, you're taking too many prescription drugs. Oh, they died. You know, oh, I, you gave that drug and it interfered with this one. I, yeah, I just really overlooked that. And they dead. Literally, it's like eight to 10,000 people a year just in the U.S. alone. And that number is low. It's the only recorded cases. They will cover that thing up, that number up as much as they can. So allopathy and naturopathy treat based on the law of opposites. Allopathic medicine gives large doses of toxic substances. Homeopathy gives minute do doses of plant, metal, or animal materials that have been diluted to contain only the healing essence of the material. 
And so the patient comes in, diarrhea, vomiting, runny nose, they have a cold, they're chilly, they're bundled up, they're drinking in sips, they're anxious, they're like, oh, I'm gonna die, I, I feel so horrible, I feel so horrible, they're restless, they can't sit still. You give one dose of arsenicum album and the case is cured. And in an acute case, you might need two or three doses, but you give this and why is it cured? Because we prescribe on the basis of like cures like. These symptoms that this person has, right? We wanna know what substance out there in nature, in toxic amounts, causes these exact symptoms. That is like cures like. You take that substance, you dilute it down, and then people are like, oh, that's, that's quackery. I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> oh, how many people and from my personal experience and how many people I see make astounding progress with their health after homeopathy, you try it and tell me if it's quackery. My dad, who is the most disbelieving, um, uh, uh, the quickest person to call something quackery, homeopathy quackery, I've, I've given him many remedies for high blood pressure, for gout, for type two diabetes. He feels better. Why? Because when he's sick, he calls me and he says, Heather, send me more of those sugar pellets. <laughs> Can you mail me some more of those things? I think they're doing something, I'm feeling better. And I said, dad, yeah, you, you got it, no problem. And it's like, it, it he is the most doubting critical person about anything you know outside on the fringe and um keeps coming back that 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 is that just says a lot for anybody who's listening and and who also knows my dad you're like oh yeah you you probably get it but of the people that i treat these the people are getting better. People get better with, with homeopathy when they're prescribed correctly. You have to prescribe the right remedy. You have to prescribe a single dose. You have to prescribe one single remedy. And I talk about this. I have a whole series that went back a ways on, um, uh, there was a little series on homeopathy that I did. Uh, it was probably a year ago plus. And I talk about things that are important that homeopaths don't know and or they don't tell their clients. And so their, their remedy gets anecdoted and they say, oh, homeopathy doesn't work. But they didn't, the, the homeopath didn't tell them, hey, drinking regular coffee, um, even up to two years after you take your remedy, will um, anecdote the remedy and then all your symptoms will start to come back. Smoking cannabis, using any kind of cannabis, that antidote's your remedy. You know, these things people aren't told or even homeopaths don't know it. And um, these are really important things to know and understand. If you're like, oh, I tried homeopathy and it didn't work for me, you didn't get the right remedy. That's the bottom line is that you didn't get the right remedy. You took the wrong remedy, or maybe the potency was wrong, or the homeopath gave you a combination remedy, which is a huge red flag, et cetera. 
So when it comes to blood donating, bloodletting, we want to get really curious about this. We want to get very, very interested in the um, person's particular symptoms. Why do you think you need bloodletting? Let's look at your symptoms. The body doesn't lie. It's going to tell you exactly what remedy, what like cures like material the body's going to need in order to attain its cure if we just pay attention to the symptoms, if we know what questions to ask our clients, our patients. This is the key. It's like, oh, you have gout, go bloodlet. You're a male, eh, bloodletting. Iron's a little high, better go do some bloodletting. What? That is one tiny fraction. That is like, there's so much more to know about a person and their symptoms and their personality before recommending any practice to them. So we need to understand people's particular symptoms the body is going to produce very unique and particular symptoms. And this is what's going to lead us to getting that person their similar remedy, their like cures like, their similimum. And this is how we rectify health issues. Long-term, short-term, this is how we do it. This is, this is a major red flag. Whenever this same protocol is recommended to a mass amount of people um, because it, it's, it's a red flag. Oh, everybody needs this jab. Oh, everybody needs bloodletting. Um, oh, everybody needs to take vitamin D. Better raise your red flag because, you know, 10,000 people can have cancer um, or an iron overload, or gout, or panic attacks, and giving them some generic diet or supplement, or you know some generic medical suggestions, is never going to cure the case. They'll all need a remedy similar to their symptoms, and. Um, this is this is the key. They need a, a like cures like approach. Bloodletting is a band-aid short-term approach with major long-term health consequences. If you want to get to the root of your health struggles, book a homeopathic session with me. Go to heathershepherd.com backslash healing, heathershepherd.com backslash healing. Sign up for an initial homeopathic session to start experiencing long-term relief from your symptoms using this ancient, tried and true, like cures like approach, Hippocrates. We all talk about Hippocrates and oh, how what a wonderful medical doctor he was and pr practitioner he was. Guess what? He practiced using like cures like. That was his approach. That was his mentality. It got totally washed away with the Western medical system and uh, the Flexner report totally flushed like cures like down the toilet because actually homeopathy was a major part of medical, allopathic medical training until the Flexner report. And it came and said, nah, that's going to take way too long. You can't make any money off of it. No, no homeopathy. 
in fact, outlaw it, take people's remedies away, ban it, go to prescription medications. And then the beast was born. So next week, I am going to be doing an episode all about panic attacks and anxiety and how to address um, these often really, man, these, as somebody who's had panic attacks, um, these states can be so restrictive and debilitating and paralyzing. And, um, next week I'm going to talk about how to use homeopathy and I'm sure I'll talk about sunlight as well on how to use the combination of these two natural medicines to, uh, improve, bring relief to panic attack states. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.